You're listening to the Unveiling Mormonism podcast from PursueGod.org. Join pastors Ross Anderson and Brian Dwyer every Monday as they pull back the curtain on LDS history, culture, and theology. Find more resources to continue the conversation at PursueGod.org slash Mormonism. Okay, in today's episode, I'm joined once again by my good friend, Bo. And Bo, I'm so glad that your wife, KD, is joining us today because we're talking about leaving well. Last week, we talked about dealing with your emotions. Katie, I wish you could have joined us because I know you would have had so much to add, but you're going to add a lot to this one as well because today we're going to talk about dealing with your questions. And guys, here's what I, here's why I think this is going to be so valuable. It's because you guys are leaving well. You're, you're, you're not burning bridges. You love your families. You love your friends. You just, you get it. The light bulb's on for you. You get it. You couldn't, you couldn't fake it anymore. You had to, you had to find Jesus in a biblical, biblically based church. And so I love that about you. A lot of these topics we're going to cover today as we talk about dealing with your questions. We've already covered them on this podcast, but I think it's going to be better even to hear it from you guys because you guys have lived the Mormon side of some of this stuff. And then you can speak to what you've really been learning biblically about it. So today we're going to talk about the Bible, Jesus, grace, families, and we're going to mix in some talk about covenants, which is a specifically Mormon thing. But but we're going to hit on all of these things today as we talk. So let's let's start with this, Bo KD. What have what have you had to? How have you had to change your view of Scripture of the Bible as Christians? The first thing about um, the Bible that we had to wrap our head around was, you know, uh, when we, even from Sunday school, when we're, when we're little kids, when we're growing up in, in the Mormon church, you're taught that the Bible, um, we believe in the Bible as far as it is translated correctly. So that's a big asterisk right there, right? We believe the Book of Mormon to be the Word of God, but and we also believe the Bible to be the Word of God as far as it's translated correctly. So the as far as it is translated correctly piece was always a bit confusing, um, for, for, for me specifically growing up, because, you know, we, we have this, we have the word of God in the Bible. Um, but with that asterisk, what, what, what that means basically is, uh, the, the Joseph Smith taught that there were plain and precious truths removed from the Bible through the translation process over time. And that caused people like myself, KD, to sort of lose a bit of trust in the Bible um, and rely on modern-day prophets' translation or, or interpretation is the better word, modern-day prophets' interpretation of, of the Bible. Um, it also caused us to rely on, um, I'm not going to say an inferior Bible, it's a very popular Bible, the King James Version of the Bible, right? But again, that Bible was translated in the 1600s. Um, we've become way more accurate today with all the information, manuscripts, et cetera, that's available. And we'll get into that. But, but anyway, that's, that's kind of the basis for the beginning of like, you know, what, what I was taught about the Bible, right? Now, now in terms of Scripture, you know, Mormons believe that Scripture is what's revealed, like God's Word revealed to a prophet. And obviously because Mormons believe in modern-day prophets, they believe that there is no such thing as a closed canon, which is, which is also, I think, a, a, a big difference. So... Growing up, you used, as a Mormon, I used the King James Version, but it had the Joseph Smith translations in it. So you would go through and you'd read and there would be asterisks in, 
you know, different scriptures and you would go down and it would have what Joseph Smith had changed about the Bible. Um, so that was in and of itself very confusing. And then because um, I I kind of lacked trust in the Bible because of that, because it was confusing and because I wasn't sure I could rely on it. On it. So I personally tend to lean towards um, the Enzyme, which is a magazine that has a lot of the modern day prophets talks in it, and then also leaned towards the Book of Mormon more than the Bible. So how do you guys view now? So you've been, you know, attending our church, you've been really like digging into the Bible. My wife and I have been discipling you guys. It's been so fun to just walk with you. We've been going through the pursuit together, which by the way, we're going to encourage people as they finish up this Leaving Well series to make sure to go through the pursuit with someone, which is what what we did together. And we took a good three months to go through it. And topic two in the pursuit, chapter two in the pursuit is all about this. So tell me about then how it how you see it differently, because it's still so fresh for you. So how do you see the Bible differently now as a as a Christian? And why do you see it differently than than you did as a Mormon? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I would say I, I truly see it as God's word. Um, and I see it as the the authority, right? Like the the truth. It is God's word for mankind. And um, it's interesting because when you when you start to study how the Bible came to be, right? and and how it was translated and the meticulous nature in which um, it was, passed on and translated it actually uh it's it's probably the most correct book ever written uh i would say it definitely is it's god's yeah, word right? right um but but when you look at the you know 5800 plus greek manuscripts compiled right like the, the 300 fulfilled prophecies about jesus alone that the 25000 archaeological digs that prove biblical history that uh there's just so much evidence supporting um, which, which I think was something for me growing up as a Mormon, you didn't have any of that to support the Book of Mormon. You didn't have the golden plates because they were conveniently taken away by an angel, right? You didn't have, um, any archeological evidence, any archeological digs, because there was no idea where these people's lived in the American continent or which American continent, um, so, so I, I was always just told, like, you just got to accept it on faith alone. And obviously, to some extent, like, you got to have, you got to have faith to, right, to believe in God, but, um, but to have an authority that is backed up by, uh, by history, I think is, is pretty important. When I was starting to question the Mormon faith, it, a lot of it had to do with, the, the issues surrounding the evidence of the Book of Mormon, um, the, you know, Abraham, the Book of Abraham and all of that. And so then I did, you know, go through the pursuit with you guys and also dived into things on my own to make sure that I wasn't, you know, again, going on a blind faith journey because right. I really wanted to make sure I had, had it right. And I was absolutely blown away by the evidence that is there 
that exists for the Bible because it had never been that way for me before. And so then I was able to study the Bible and still do, obviously, with just such a depth of trust and knowledge. And then also just having so much fun studying the context and the history behind it and just really get, I can dig into it because it's all there. There's nothing left to be like, oh, this didn't happen. No, it really did. Yeah. And I, I love that, um, you know, the, the closed canon, I think to a Mormon sounds terrifying, right? Mm. Because you're taught your whole life in continuing revelation, but the reason the canon is closed is because Jesus has done his work. Jesus came, he lived, he died, he rose again, and uh, when we put our trust in him, we are saved. Like, that is the message of the Bible. Um, and there's the old and the new covenant. The old covenant was uh, atonement paid for in blood of lambs and sheep, right? The, the, the new covenant was paid for by Christ's blood, and it is up to us to believe in him. That is it. There is no work required because Jesus did the work. Anyway, I'm getting preachy, but the point is, like, that is why the canon is closed. The, 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 Jesus did the work, and um, all glory and praise be to him. And so I, um, I, I, could, I could continue, but I think, <laughs> I think we get it. So there, there's something else here that I want to point out, though, and that, that is that uh, so, so what I would always do as a missionary or you know, when I was teaching seminary, um, for the Mormon Church, I would attempt to contrast the way that the Bible was translated compared to the Book mm -hmm. of Mormon. And what we were always taught to say is, look, the Bible was handed down from person to person to person for thousands of years, and, and, and we always did this. We always tried to play telephone in our classroom, right? And we would have one student tell another student a secret, and we were supposed to have that pass through 30 different people and get to the end, and we'd all laugh when nothing right, that they said was what we started with. Yeah. And it's the best way to try and prove that the Bible had been translated incorrectly and that Joseph Smith was a prophet because he retranslated the Bible, right? And the Book of Mormon was one, translated one time, from God to Joseph huh. Smith. That was always what we said. But when you, when you dive into the translation process of the Book of Mormon, you find out that the plates that were preserved were never actually used during the translation process. It wasn't like he was reading the ancient Egyptian hieroglyphs and, and then dictating it into English. He was looking at a stone in a hat while the plates were wrapped in cloth and or buried in the woods. So like, anyway, I, 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 again, this is not me trying to like bash or anything. It's just the attempt to disprove or discredit the Bible it, I think is frustrating. And I think it, it, it's a disservice to all those people that uh, spent their life's work upholding the, the Bible and, and its integrity. So, uh, and we have just, just absolute proof in the Bible's authenticity and authority. And, 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 and the translation process, because you say that, Bo, but now yeah. you know that the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered. There's a, there's a, among the Dead Sea Scrolls, which were discovered 50 years ago, was a was a manuscript of, of of the book of Isaiah almost in complete in completely intact the book of Isaiah and previous to the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls the oldest copy that we had of the book of Isaiah was from the Masoretic something called the Masoretic text which was almost a thousand years newer than the Dead Sea Scrolls copy so here you know so here this 
this Bedouin shepherd boy finds these Dead Sea Scrolls. And, and so many of the critics of biblical accuracy and inerrancy said, well, this is going to prove it because here we have something that is a thousand years older and we're going to see just how the telephone game worked, right? And the critics thought that we were going to have just like two completely different books. And the, and the two books were something like 95, more than 95% in agreement. And the 5% or it's even less than that, that were, that was where there were disagreement is it was a lot of it was punctuation. None of it significantly changed the meaning of the text at all. So again, even now, if you could go back to those students, you could say, actually, actually the telephone game worked when you're dealing with Jewish scribes, but it probably doesn't work with modern day high school students. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. And contrast that to, you know, the translation of the book of Abraham, right? Mm-hmm. Where Joseph Smith picked up some scrolls that he said were written by the hand of Abraham. We, we've since translated, you know, parts of those scrolls, uh, uh, you know, the papyrus. And, you know, what was found is that it was just an ancient Egyptian burial text. It had nothing to do with Abraham, wasn't from his time period, nothing. So, so you contrast the accuracy mm-hmm. of the Dead Sea Scrolls with the book of Isaiah that we have in the Bible versus the, the inaccuracy of the book of Abraham. And anyway, so... Uh, so yeah, as we look at the Bible, uh, it's, it's been such a great 180 for me. I always loved the Bible. I was, I read the Bible growing up. I considered it scripture. Mormons consider it scripture, but the difference when you take out that asterisk, right? When you remove the, as far as it's translated correctly and realize that you can rely on the Bible as God's authoritative word, it is so incredibly powerful and it's freeing and it's, it's beautiful. And um, it also opens up this world of being able to read the Bible in the language, the English language that we speak today, mm. which is phenomenal, right? Like understanding King James English is pretty difficult in the, you know, in, in 2023, right? And um, so being able to, to read like the English standard, English standard version or, you know, the, the New Living Translation or any of these translations that are um, incredibly accurate, probably even more so, than, than the King James Version is, uh, is also, it's just been phenomenal. Which, and I guess maybe I'll point that out, that Mormons only support and believe in the King James Version of the Bible because that's the version that Joseph Smith added his translations to. Okay, so that's the, that's the Bible. Now, we, we wanted to start with that because, not because it's the most important thing, but because all the rest of these things come from the Bible. So if we can't trust the Bible, then we can't really talk about these next few things when, when we're talking about doctrine between some of the distinctions between Mormonism and Christianity. So the next thing, this is so important, is the whole concept of Jesus. Uh, guys, I know it's hard for you to summarize this in 10 minutes, but what explain to us the Jesus of the Mormon church and then what you now understand about Jesus. This is so important. Well, the Jesus of the Mormon church is a spirit child of heavenly parents. So that means that they, he was um, a child of a mother, a heavenly mother and a heavenly father, and um, that Jesus is our technically older brother because we are all children of these um, two heavenly parents. Um, and then also Lucifer then was his brother as well, a fallen spirit from heaven. Um, Jesus is the literal son of God in that way. Um, and he 
came down to be our savior. Am I getting this right? Yeah, no, yeah. yeah you're added. No, you're yeah, it's spot on. I mean, that's yeah. what you're taught growing up Mormon, right? I, I think there's probably a right there, I think it's an, it's just <laughs> I think that's where most Christians would would stop and say, whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. <laughs> yeah, this is different already. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And and so uh not most Christians, all Christians would say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, so I think it's important to kind of pause for a second and just kind of take that in. So, so because Mormons believe that Jesus is, um, the literal spirit son of God and, and our elder brother, uh, it, it, it kind of changes the dynamic, um, of, of who Jesus is and his power and what he did for us and who we are. Right. So we, and, and I know you, you, you've probably already done a full podcast on God, um, and, and we can probably, you know, remind listeners of that, but, but I think it's important to point out, right, that, um, that that is a big, that's a big difference, right? Because the, the Jesus is our savior piece that Mormons believe that that's what, that's why you hear so many Mormons say that they're Christian, right? You'll, you'll have so many Mormons say, no, no, I believe Jesus is my savior. I am a Christian. Um, and, and it can be pretty offensive to Mormons uh, for, you know, others to assert that they aren't Christians. Uh, Mormons can, can take offense to that because, no, they really do believe in this Jesus that died for their sins. Um, but there, there's such a difference in who Jesus was that it, it gets a bit tricky, right? So, so, so who Jesus was, they, they believe that he's their older brother. Um, they, they don't believe in like the triune nature of God, the Trinity, right? They believe in what's called a Godhead, which is God the Father, and then Jesus the Son, and then the Holy Spirit, and they're three separate beings. Um, and, and and then the work that he came to do, right? So they believe that the work he came to do was to establish his church and to atone for the sins of, of all mankind, and that he atoned in the Garden of Gethsemane, um, and that he finished his work on the cross. And so that's, that's why, you know, you won't see a cross on any Mormon chapel or temple, because uh, they don't believe the cross is where he atoned. There's a lot, there's a lot we could get into. I think, Brian, you, you said it best when we're trying to do this in 10 minutes, so we're going to cover the basics, right? The biblical Jesus, um, to KD's point, like, I think we did a decent job summarizing that, but I think there are some differences to, that are worth pointing out. So a big difference is... The biblical Jesus is God, um, and has been from the beginning. Uh, John 1.1 1, 1 is pretty definitive on this point, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Um, now, Joseph Smith, conveniently enough, retranslated this verse specifically to say, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was the Gospel. Mm. Um, so he's immediately diminishing the role of Jesus. Mm. Yeah, and, and essentially changing God's nature by, by retranslating that verse. Um, now, there's a lot, of, a lot of original texts of the Bible, and they all point to that verse being that Jesus is God. So um, anyway, that's a big distinction right there, that Jesus is God. And, and look, Jesus created all things in heaven and earth, um, right, in, in Colossians 1.16. The the fullness of the Father, if you, if you continue reading Colossians, it says that the fullness of the Father dwells in Jesus, right? So, so there, he is 
God. Like that, that is, there is a triune nature of God. And then if you continue to read Colossians, I mean, we could just take the book of the Colossians mm-hmm. just to understand Jesus here, right? Because if you continue to read, uh, it says that he atoned for our sins on the cross. So you have four verses in Colossians that basically completely explain who Jesus is. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth. He is God, and the fullness of the Father dwells in him, and he atoned for the sins on the cross. Like right there, that is the summary that we need of Jesus. And if you contrast, I remember, KD, when we were talking that we contrasted this with um, with us, right? Because part of the problem in Mormonism is, like you said, that if Jesus is just our older brother, then then we're all the same species. Basically, Jesus, you know, God was once how we are, and we can be a God someday, which is just so not biblical. And when you when we were going through this is the Jesus lesson in the in our uh, pursuit series is is lesson number five, and I still remember for you, KD, how how much you, I think you said you listened to the podcast three times and just were taking notes on it. And one of the things you said, I want you to speak to this, is that it was freeing for you to understand that Jesus isn't just your older brother. Explain that. The Mormon Jesus and the Mormon gods, they were subject to the laws of nature. So they're not, they're not all-knowing, all-encompassing, creative beings. Um, and that is limiting God. That limits God. The other thing is that, you know, if I am going to become a God someday, I remember just feeling this weight, this crushing weight of that that future, just trying to live up to what my older brother Jesus had done um, and trying to live that type of life, which is absolutely impossible for any human on earth because that is not our nature. And so then learning about the triune God, learning about Jesus of the Bible, that he is God, that he is, he created the earth, he created the laws, he is he became gigantic he became something that is that is a loving huge god that reached out to us small mortals and relieved me of my burden relieved me of that crushing weight and and essentially took everything on for me so that i may live a free joyful life and come back to him if i just put my faith in, in Jesus Christ, who is God, who came down, um, as a human to take on all of our, um, sins and coming back to the Bible. When you think about God being this big God, right? Who can stand in his way? Who can make the Bible, his word less? No one. God can do whatever he wants with his word and his word it can be trusted because he made it so. So we can put our full faith and lean into that Bible because nothing can stand between God and his love for us. Mm, that's good. That's a good way to say it, KD, is that we, the reason that we can trust that the Bible was translated correctly and passed down through the ages is because God was the one who was passing it down through the ages. So it really is about trusting in the bigness of God 
Why, that's such a great way to think of it. So all this Jesus talk, Bo, leads us to talk about grace. And, and this one, it's not just grace, but it's it's also therefore about salvation. So explain the difference between, because both Mormonism and Christianity use the word grace, but how is it different? Uh, and it's it's basically this belief that Mormons have that it is by grace we're saved after all the works that we can do. So that's that's Second Nephi twenty five twenty three versus Ephesians two eight and nine, which is that we're saved by grace. So, and it basically says, hey, you're saved by grace and not by your works, so that no man can boast. How how about that mm. difference? I mean, that's like the perfect difference that you need. But but in Hebrews nine, I think it it also calls out one more thing that I think we should talk through when we talk about being saved by grace. So in Hebrews 9, it, it basically says that Jesus' death was the ultimate sacrifice, and it marked the end of Levitical sacrifices in the temple. So no more temples or sacrifices were needed, because we have this new covenant with Jesus through His blood. And when we accept Him in faith, we're saved. And 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 Ephesians makes that very clear, right? In Ephesians 2, um, right, says that we are saved by grace, uh, not by work, so that no man may boast. So... We're, when we put our trust in Jesus, we are saved because Jesus did the work. Jesus, through his ultimate love, saved us. And there's nothing we can do to earn it. There's nothing we can do to change it. There's no amount of sacrifices we can perform in the temple anymore, right? Going back to what Hebrews 9 says, right? He's talking about all the, all the things they would do in the temple, the sacrifices they would do, the rituals they would do in the temple— that was all done away with now, because we now have a new covenant, and this new covenant is the atonement of Jesus Christ. Through his blood on the cross, we are saved if we believe. And that is so beautifully simple that somehow we miss it. Um, and, and unfortunately, in Mormonism, I grew up believing in the Bible, I grew up believing in Jesus, and I missed it. Um, I, I went on a mission, and I taught seminary, and I missed it um, for 30-plus years. But man, when you, <laughs> when you see the contrast, right, and it just stares you in the face and you realize what Jesus was trying to teach this whole time, and you realize what Paul was teaching, you realize what the Bible teaches us about grace, it's just so much more beautiful what, what God has done for us. The condescension of God is so real, it's so beautiful, and so different from a biblical setting versus a, a Mormon setting. Bo, explain this, because some Mormons listening to this would say, but okay, but you missed something, though, Bo, because the way Christians really use grace is they misuse it, because they use grace as a license to sin. So I know you're still new to the Christian faith, but I feel like you can probably already answer this question, and it's a legitimate question, because probably a lot of Mormons out there know Christians who don't don't live any differently than the rest of the world, which which by the way, I don't think is a good thing. Paul himself talks about it. Should we therefore use grace as a license to sin? And Paul says, no. He says, no, we shouldn't. But but th- this is part of, I think, why I think why the Mo- Mormonism rails on Christianity so much is they say they're they're misusing grace. And and what would your answer be to that to the Mormon who might have that objection? Yeah, I, th- I think it's a. Uh... It's probably, let's say it's a fair call out. I think what I would say is we're all sinners. Um, and so it's not a, it's not a license to sin. Um, we're all already sinning, all of us. <laughs> um, and we're all imperfect. And there is no possible way we could work our way to heaven. Uh, it's impossible. 
doesn't matter how many times I read my scriptures, doesn't, doesn't matter how many times I pray, uh, it would be impossible for me to do it. Now, does that mean that I don't read my scriptures? Does that mean I don't pray? Like, no. Um, because when you put your trust in Jesus, when you, when you believe in him, he has promised his spirit is going to be with you. It's going to change you from the inside out. You're going to become a new creation in Christ. And that spirit, God's spirit, that's going to live in you, is going to move, it's going to move you um, to do things differently in your life. Not to do those things to earn your salvation, but to do those things to honor God. The Spirit's going to work in you. And that is such a difference. Um, allowing the Spirit to work in you versus doing it to earn something. Uh, and, God, there's so many scriptures that we could point to um, that, that I think summarize it. So, you know, a really good one is probably Romans 8. Romans 8, I think, is just such a terrific summary of what happens when you become a believer and the Spirit works mm -hmm. in you. Um, that whole chapter, for, for listeners, read Romans 8. Uh, that, that, I think, will solve so many, and it'll answer so many questions. And again, for me, leaving Mormonism, I wrestled with this one. I wrestled with this one big time because um, I was feeling guilt, I was feeling anger, I was feeling shame for like we talked about last week, for um, having taught some of this stuff, for having, uh, and I was just wrestling with all this. And, and when I realized that when you believe in Jesus, when you put your faith in him, you're saved, through his grace, not by your works, that changed everything for me. It changed my outlook, and it's really what allowed the Spirit to, uh, to work in me and what, what you know, helped me recognize the Spirit working through me. Okay, so we've talked about the big ones, the Bible, Jesus and grace slash salvation. And so probably for our Christian listeners, they're like, okay, we covered all the big ones. But but there's one more I think that we really need to cover because it's a huge deal for Mormons, even though it's not a huge deal for Christians, which we'll, we're going to probably have to address. But the last thing, KD and Bo, is this idea of families and how, you know, and even just covenants, because one of the objections, one of the reasons you guys probably took so long to really make this big change in your life is because of the probably like the the grip that the idea of covenants have you know have on you and even just kind of the families are forever thing so walk us through that because there are probably some listeners to this podcast who want to leave and maybe they're they're good with the first three things you covered but this is the one that maybe is the biggest hurdle for them so talk us through families this is a huge one this was probably one of my biggest issues um, biggest. Yeah, the biggest. It's it's a it's a hard one because you kind of grow up thinking you're gonna become gods in this eternal family. So you're sealed in the temple and told that you will be with your spouse for eternity and that you will become gods and you will have your children with you and they're sealed to you and it's a string going back to your ancestors, you know, of ceilings and that you'll all be tied together. Um, as, uh, as long as you live up to the covenants that you make in the temple, exactly. right? So if you break those covenants in the temple... You break the chain. You break that chain. Yeah, right. exactly. So there, there's a lot riding on this decision to stay or leave the church. It's huge. And, and also once you do make this, that decision and you do let people know, you know, it, that's a, 
that's a big heartache for your family members who are still in it because they feel that you have, you know, broken that chain. Um, so this can be one of a huge pressure for a lot of people. Um, and I remember just struggling with this quite a bit. Um, and I want to be really respectful, but I just came to realize a little bit that um, family for me and this idea had become sort of like an idol. It had become sort of like the thing I was looking forward to rather than living with God. And that kind of light switch in my mind really helped me to understand God's love for me and the actual purpose of becoming God's family. So we all sing as Mormon children, I am a child of God. But what we really mean is I am going to be with my family forever and be with God forever. But we kind of cut out the God part. And I remember learning about becoming part of God's family and that feeling of love and that being fulfilled through God. And that just kind of clicked in my mind and made so much more sense um, to me. So... Yeah, that's that's a good that's a good call out, Katie. I think um, it's interesting. So in in Mormonism, the purpose of life is to come to Earth to get a body, because you're going to need that body in eternity to become like God, right? Because in Mormonism, they believe that God has a body of flesh and bone that he once had our earthly experience and progressed to become God. And so that means that one day we will be uh, in an eternal union together, building worlds and right uh, becoming God as well. So the purpose to life is to, be, to learn to become like God, basically, right? Um, and I think, you know, what, what the Bible teaches is quite a bit different. Uh, it's different about, well, there's several things that are different. One is... You know, Mormons believe that you're married in a temple and that that ceiling in the temple is what allows you to progress for eternity um, unless you break your covenants. The Bible teaches something quite different. So, so the Bible teaches in Ephesians 2, I mean, there's a couple just great chapters here, guys. So Colossians we talked about in, in Ephesians, but in Ephesians 2, oh, we also talked about Romans 8. There's so many good ones. Ephesians 2 is beautiful because it talks about how we're saved by grace, not by works, um, but it also talks about the family of God. Um, so, so I think, you know, Mormons think that, that Christians don't believe in eternal families. And, and I would actually, I would actually argue that point. Um, we do believe in an eternal family. We believe in God's eternal family, not in Bo and KD being married forever, but us being in relationship together with God in his family. So Ephesians 2 makes it pretty clear that we, when we believe in Jesus, when we put our trust in him, we become adopted children of God. We become part of his family um, and, and ultimately are joined together. It says carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Right. So uh, we don't have to go to the temple to get married for time and all eternity. We put our trust in Jesus and we become the temple. Um, where the Spirit can dwell in us, right? And, and we can become part of the family of God. So it's just such a, it's, that is so much more beautiful. <laughs> 
and it's true because it's written in God's word. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, I think that's such a good contrast there, right, from what Mormons teach about eternal families versus what the Bible teaches about the eternal family. Yeah, Bo, I was going to ask you, you know, when KD, you said why you finally made, you finally made the switch. This, the family one was a big one, but you realized that family was an idol for you and, and the beauty of what God's word says and the simplicity of what God's word said. But you said it right there, Bo. And I think for a lot of listeners, this is maybe what they need to hear. Maybe this is what we need to leave them with. And this is why we started with the Bible. And it's, it's that the, the reason you finally made the decision to leave and you want to leave well, but the reason at the end of the day, Bo, wouldn't you say it's because of the word you just used is because it's true. What, what the Bible teaches, all these verses, all these chapters you've mentioned here, that at the end, however it makes you feel, because, because Mormonism is so dependent on feeling. It, it is like feeling is the ultimate thing. And, and yet the Bible says the opposite of that. Now, again, feelings aren't bad, but feelings shouldn't be the reason that you follow Jesus. Feelings shouldn't be the reason that you choose a certain church. The, the Bible talks about truth, and, and Jesus gives us his truth. And so at the, at the end of the day, even though, Bo, you're a return missionary, you were a seminary teacher. I mean, you were in it to win it. You guys, are, your, your story, your testimony is, I can't remember which episode, 12 or something like that. If you want to hear, if people, listeners want to hear your, your full story. But at the end of the day, you just couldn't shake that it wasn't true. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. Um, we realized together that it wasn't true. That, uh, and, and so we needed to find what was true. We needed to find Jesus. And, and, and so we went on a search for him. We, we studied the Bible. We, um, we looked for a, a Bible-based church uh, because what I was terrified of is I think what's happening a lot in Mormonism right now, Brian, is, and that's why I'm on these podcasts, truthfully, um, is because people are leaving Mormonism in droves and... They're abandoning God altogether. They, they, they feel so hurt. They feel so ashamed that they were duped or whatever, that they feel um, angry. We talked about the feelings last week. But those feelings drive people, a lot of people, to just completely abandon um, God, the Bible, truth, or, or a pursuit altogether. And, and that's why I, like, the people that I want to, speak to here are are those that are coming out of mormonism um that are looking for truth and i just i want everybody to know that jesus is real regardless of what joseph said or did um put that aside because jesus two thousand years ago he lived he, he he condescended he came to earth he lived he died and he rose again and and that is what's true um, the Bible is truth. The Bible teaches the truth. And if we rely on God's word, um, we will, we will draw closer to Jesus. And when we put our trust in him, we are saved. And, and it is truly that simple. Um, there's no works so that no man can boast. It, 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 that is it. And so, so Brian, yeah, I, um, I, I just can't emphasize enough, uh, that difference, right? Uh, of fe- the feeling when I realized I didn't believe 
in the Mormon church and then coming to know Jesus, coming to know what Jesus truly taught in the Bible um, has been incredibly freeing. Um, not free to sin, but free to live uh, in worship of, of the one true God. Yeah. And I would definitely say for me, I felt as though I could never get to know Jesus in the Mormon church enough because there were things standing in my way. There were things always putting barriers between my relationship with God and myself. And then once that was taken away and I truly came to know Jesus, oh my gosh, it just opened a whole beautiful world of love and peace, even though we walked away, even though we gave up so much, we gained much more. And it's hard to leave community. It's hard to leave family. It's hard to admit, you know, that what you were raised in, what you were, you know, told to believe isn't real. But there is a Jesus who loves you. And, oh my gosh, it's just amazing when you there's no more barriers and you pray and you feel it. And on top of that, it's... It's there. It's all there in the Bible to study. And, yeah, I just hope that everyone who is, you know, walking away or considering it can can come to know him. Bo and Katie, thank you for sharing your story. I think this is going to impact so many people. And uh, for those of you who are listening, I hope that, that Bo and Katie will inspire you to leave well. You don't have to leave Christianity. You don't have to leave Jesus. You don't have to. You don't have to be mean and mean spirited about it. In fact, next time, Bo and KD, we're going to talk in our next lesson. We're going to talk about how do you break this to your family. We're you know we've talked about emotions. We've talked about uh, your you know doctrine and questions. And then next time we're going to talk about relationships, especially family, because that's the biggest question we've been hearing from people: is how do I how do I answer common objections? How do I build bridges? How do I break this in a way that doesn't break my mom and dad's heart? You guys are great examples of that and you're leaving well. So we're going to talk about that next time. And for those of you who are listening in, I hope that you're talking about this with a small group or with a mentor and you can find discussion questions and more at pursuegod.org forward slash Mormonism. Again, the series is called Leaving Well and I hope you'll join us next time. Hey listeners, this is Brian Dwyer reminding you to rate this show on your favorite podcast app. That really does help us when you do that. That way more people can discover this podcast and start listening. And also don't forget to share the podcast with a friend.